a young boy sitting in a, in a uh, high chair eating his food. And uh, if you've seen the carpet advertisement or the, uh, for this particular carpet manufacturer, you probably noticed that this little guy sitting in this high chair and he's got one of those toy airplanes that are made like with dishes inside of them. Now, I want to know, somebody without kids had to come up with this idea because what the kid ended up doing is, what do you do with an airplane? You fly that sucker. And so the food's all in there, and you can just hear his mom saying, no, no, no. And we'll use Christopher. We said, no, 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 Christopher. And he grabs the airplane, he goes, and it goes sailing out into the room. Well, the food goes all over the place, and it's a great advertisement for a carpet that cleans very easily. Um, but there's something hidden in, a, in that message that many of us overlook because obviously they want you to focus on the carpet, but there is an obvious problem as well. And uh, it's kind of like, uh, well, it's as obvious as, have you heard, you've probably heard about the uh, agnostic dyslexic insomniac? <laughs> you've probably heard about, well, he, he laid in bed all night wondering if there was a dog. But... Um, <laughs> See, see, you know, that's the problem, isn't it? See, some things you think are obvious. I know, there's a time delay on this one. I thought I'd throw it on anyway because I thought it was obvious, but obviously it isn't obvious. I know, we went through that one yesterday. Thank you very much, Joseph. There we go. And now you can explain it to your section back there, please. Okay, just break it down. Agnostic, dyslexic, insomniac. Break it down, and it'll make a lot more sense later on. Even after I explained it to Linda, she still said, well, I still don't understand why that's so funny. But, <laughs> but that's kind of the way it is. Well, you know, it's an obvious problem. I mean, what is the obvious problem here? The obvious problem is that little guy doesn't like to be told what to do. That's the obvious problem. How many of you have one of those living rooms that are kind of roped off as if they're some type of museum? <laughs> you have one of those? Huh? Yeah, seriously. No, I'm serious. I am serious about this. I just want to know why... why developers put living rooms in houses. Um, do you have one of those? We got one of those. We use it for Bible studies and Christmas and Thanksgiving. Kind of it's a dining room, living room combination. But when you walk into the entryway, we got this little rope. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those little ropes that kind of goes across there like that. And you walk by and we got little things on the, like the couch, you know, donated by or dedicated to. <laughs> we got this little thing here on the picture that's over there too. So anyway, we, so we take the rope down um, for our Bible study on Thursday night. And um, we've got, we have um, uh, one couple that come to the study, and uh, they're friends, uh, soon not to be friends if this continues. And, uh, but uh, they've got a little guy who's about three years old. And he thinks that that living room is uh, like a circus. He thinks it's circus, circus. And he jumps from one couch to the other, to the tabletop, to the, you know, if there was a chandelier in there, he'd be hanging from it doing his number there. You ever had, you have friends like that that have kids like that? How many of you used to have friends like that? <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I know the struggle. But it's kind of like, you know, we got one of, those, one of those types of living rooms. And it's like, and, and, what's, and what's really hard is like this kid does this, you know. And we've got three kids that we've convinced that it's like, it's like the death sentence if they had ever do something like that. And they believe that it's true. So they're watching this little guy. And they're thinking, man, we've missed out on a lot of fun. You know what I mean? We've missed out on a lot of fun. Because that white couch, man, he's getting some vertical leap out of that white couch here. And uh, so it's kind of you struggle with this, you know, and you go through it. But, and it's really interesting because you tell them, and uh, I don't have a problem telling people that are jumping on my furniture. If their parents won't do it, I'll be glad to just jump right in there. And uh, so I just say, hey, stop jumping on the furniture. And it's, you know what I mean? And it's like, you go, oh, okay. 
And then he makes a loop around, kind of like loops around and through the kitchen, back inside the dining room, over the living room again, you know, and if we're not paying attention, he comes back in and he tries it again. There's just something wrong here, and I think it is that no one likes to be told what to do. How many of you like to be told what to do? When was the last somebody told you something to do? Maybe it wasn't, although some of you probably was, stop jumping on the furniture. <laughs> but in case it wasn't, all right? How many of you like to be told what to do? Huh? When was the last time somebody told you what to do? Did you break out in your Bill Cosby routine? Don't tell me what to do. No one tells me what to do. I don't care who they are. Who do they think they are? Tell me what to do. I'll tell you what to do. I don't care. Like, you ever see people walking down the hallway at your office? They, they break out in that little mumbo-jumbo routine, you know? It's like, uh, man, you wish you had an interpreter because you know they're speaking in some type of tongues. And they're going, I'll tell me what to do. I'll tell him what to do. I don't know who he thinks he is. I don't care who he thinks he is. Boss, no boss, man. Tell me what to stink and do. He didn't tell me what to do. Hey, I know the, the Christmas season's here. You know, a lot of love and good cheers going around. And... Um, Hey, how many of you got into it because some spouse thought they could tell you what to do? Huh? Got into that yet? It's going to happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Just count on it, bank on it. It's coming. It's going to happen. You know, and, and when's the last time your spouse told you something to do? It's like, who's think she is telling me what to do? Or it's like, who's he think he is telling me what to do? I'll tell you what to do. He doesn't know what the focal point of the living room is for that Christmas tree. I mean, what's he talking about? <laughs> He didn't have a clue. We went through that one yesterday. <laughs> this is, well, you know what it is. It's like my wife's been out of town. Linda's been gone for like a week, you know, so we thought it would be nice. And we'll wait till she came back to get the tree because there was like no way I could win on this one. Because you go and you get it and you set it all up, you know you're going to pick the wrong tree. And then if you wait and you go through it, you know you don't have a chance of picking the right one even with it there anyway. So it's like, you know, man, I'm just wondering. She's going, oh, did you surprise me and get the tree? And you're thinking, oh, is that like, maybe I should have. <laughs> but we didn't. So anyway, so we went through this, the, 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 the annual Christmas tree ordeal. And, um, and, it, and it's up, it's standing, it'll survive for a couple of weeks, and then we'll throw it away. So it, it's, I, it, but anyway, it's kind of like, you don't like to be told what to do. And, and it's kind of, oh, we've got a friend who's, who's here, and I'll be real kind about this, but she got a ticket, a traffic ticket? Yeah, it, it, this is so funny because it's like, you know, right after you get a traffic ticket, you know, you really have to check, you know, your carnality and uh, make sure that it's still in, t in check there. And uh, she came up and said, pimple-faced little kid. I thought, it, she said, I thought it was a joke. He can't be more than 18, 19 years old. Give me a ticket going through a stop sign, just drifting through. I stopped, pimple-faced little kid. It was kind of like, it was cute because, you know, you just know because you've been there, right? Nobody likes to be told what to do. Watched the lady getting a ticket going up near our house, and, man, she was just screaming out the window, man. She was excited as can be. Somehow this guy ruined her whole life. Now, she was driving a brand-new Mercedes. I mean, her life couldn't be going all that too terribly bad. And I figure, if nothing else, she deserved it just for driving that kind of car. That, that's, just, that's just some of my Pittsburgh background coming out again. I got to recheck it every now and then. I'm so sorry, but but the the point is that you know our society has gotten to the point where I mean our motto really, if you get right down to it, becomes this: a matter of questioning authority. Question authority. No one's going to tell me what to do. 
You're not. I don't care if you're my wife. I don't care if you're my boss. I don't care if you're a policeman. I don't care if you're a teacher. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're a church leader. I don't care if you're a government official. No one's telling me what to do. That's just the way it is. Now, you may try, but you can't make me do it. You can't make me do it. It's like, you know, have you ever known? I mean, what happened to the voice of a parent that, is, that was respected in the home? How many of you struggle with kids who are like that? It's like you think, man, you know what? I would have never talked to my dad like that. Where they come off talking to me like that? Man, I would have never gotten away with talking to somebody like that. I mean, that would have, my dad would have reversed my head, man. I mean, if you've seen The Exorcist, my head would have been spinning around doing 360s about 90 miles an hour if I would have ever talked back to him. I mean, I couldn't even mumble walking away. You just didn't do it. It's like amazing to me. You hear kids just mouthing off to their parents. It's like, how, what, what's going on around here? It's like challenge authority. No one has the business. No one, is, no one has the right to tell me what to do. We got the same thing. You know, we see police officers. Who do they think they are? Writing me up for a ticket, even though I was going 95 miles an hour in a 25-mile-an-hour zone. Who do they think they are? I didn't hurt anybody. And then you look at teachers in the classroom. What a joke. What a joke. I've got a friend who's a teacher who quit being a teacher, and he went into business because he just got so disgusted with what was going on in the classroom. And you know what made him more disgusted than anything else? He said there used to be a day where whenever we were, wherever we had a problem, we can go to the principal, and the principal would back us up. He said now the principal is afraid of the superintendent. And the school superintendent is afraid of the school board. And the school board is afraid of the parents. And the parents are afraid of the kids. And the kids, they're not afraid of anybody. <laughs> they're not afraid of anybody. It's amazing to me. Our society's gotten so messed up in the area of authority. In fact, one of the things that's a major concern is, I don't know if you've know, uh, you saw an organization that sponsored a child's bill of rights. A child's bill of rights that basically demolishes parental authority and shifts it to a judge in a courtroom. Now, what I've seen of our judicial system, they're having a hard time just enforcing laws that you know, we can all read and understand, but somehow they don't, and they're going to start to control our family situations as well. You know, God help us in this area. I mean, it's just, been, it's, it's just it's ridiculous. And the thing is, there is a time when we question authority. There is a time when we challenge authority. There is a time when we resist authority. Not only do we need to resist it, but it's imperative that we do so. In fact, we wouldn't be a free nation if we wouldn't have fought for our liberty. So I'm not saying that we should never challenge authority, but there's a problem in understanding what authority to challenge and what authority that we need to be submissive to. You know, if we allowed ourselves to be walked on, and I understand that, or stolen from, or, or, or otherwise taken advantage of, you know, contrary to the bleeding heart liberals who would have you believe that there's nothing worth fighting for, and they all come out of the woodwork whenever there's a crisis like what's going on in the Persian Gulf, but there's nothing worth fighting for to a liberal. I mean, just leave everybody alone. The problem is, Scripture says in Ecclesiastes 8.11, Solomon said, you know what? Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men among them are given fully to do evil. The Bible is very clear. Evil, if unrestrained, will continue its course of destruction. Satan, according to 1 Peter, is, is seeking those whom he can devour. He's actively looking to destroy the lives of people. Evil, if unrestrained, will continue its proper course, which is nothing but destruction. In fact, this past week, you know, there are times when there must be resistance, and we were talking with um, friends of ours, and uh, their kids go to school with our children. 
and um, we've got some friends, and they just happen to be black. That's the skin color that God gave them. And the kids at the school are really giving them a hard time about being black. And so our kids, we were talking about it, said, gee, Dad, you know, that was really mean what they were doing. They, they made him cry. He doesn't even want to go to school anymore. You know, they called him all kind of names. So that just doesn't seem right. I said, you know what? It's not right. And not only is it not right, but it's something that you need to stand up for. You need to say, hey, you know what? That's my friend. And you stop saying what you're saying about him. Because you need to understand that God created us. It was God who made us the way we are. None of us are responsible for our skin color. That's how God chose to make us. That was His plan and His purpose. And if you don't like it, and you know what, I got real close, and, and I got to be real careful because when you're, when you're trying to tell an 11-year-old boy you know, things of this nature to develop convictions, it's kind of like you got to be careful that he doesn't go out and just beat somebody's head in, right? So, and, and it's real hard not to tell him to because, frankly, that's exactly how I feel. So if he starts giving him another hard time, you stick up for him, you tell him you're his friend. And if they keep on giving him a hard time, then you do whatever you have to do because you stand up for what's right. Oh, I know some of you just get all excited about that. Frankly, I don't really care. Because the reason for it is very simple. You know, I believe that, that the hearts of people need to be changed by God. I believe that. If you're a bigot, you're going to be a bigot unless God softens your heart. I believe that with all my heart. That's just the way it is. You're not going to force somebody to like somebody that they don't like. I think God can melt any heart and change it to love anybody. But you know what? You know what the world sees? The world sees the depth of our conviction in those areas. And I think God works best when people around us see that we are committed and convicted in areas that the world needs to see. God says there are times where we need to fight. There are times where we need to stand up for what is right. And I'm going to tell my kids to do it. Some of you may not like it, but I'm going to challenge you to think, well, what are you doing? What convictions do you have? And how do you demonstrate it to people around you? So there are times where we need to resist things that are wrong in this world. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Just something I wanted to get across because it really bothered me that that kind of stuff still goes on. And it still does go on. And it needs to be dealt with. But there are times where resistance must be met. And there are also times where we need to submit to authority. And it's a hard thing to understand where to resist and where to submit. And so what we want to do is just take some very basic, basic ideas as far as authority is concerned because we're going to find out in this particular segment this week and next week that submission to authority and keeping in light what we've been talking about and that is that we've been going through a series on pleasing God. And submission to authority does please God. But the challenge that we have before us is what authority is pleasing to God and what authority is not. Who do we submit to and who do we resist? And there's a fine line often between the two. But I think it could be a little more clear than what we make it to be. It's not as nebulous and, as, and, and I think God has some answers for us in those particular areas. So the first thing we're going to take a look at is what's the, what is the basis for authority? I mean, why should I submit to authority to begin with? I mean, when we start mumbling under our breath, who does he think she is, or who does she think she is, and who are they to tell me what to do, we've got to consider what the Bible has to say. And it clearly teaches, in Romans 13, verses 1 and 2, says that everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. 
Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. You know, some things, it's just not real hard to understand. It doesn't get a whole lot clearer than this, but we'll go through it a step at a time, because what I'm finding are it's the basics where we're really way off base. If we understand the basics, then it gives us something to stand and, and to govern our lives by. Why should I listen to authority? First of all, is it, is it um, applying to me? Are you to listen to authority? Are you to listen to authority? Is it just me or is it you? Is it all of us? Well, when it says everyone, ah, who do you think it applies to? I love it because in Greek, everyone means everyone. Yeah, sometimes, you know, looking for those hidden little meanings there, you know what I mean? But it means everyone. It says in New American Standard, let every person. So if you consider yourself to fall into that category of personhood, it's referring to you. Let everyone, every person must, what? Submit. Must submit. To the governing authorities. Why? Because there's no authority that, that exists that hasn't been established by God. So now we can go to, okay, I know it applies to me. You can't leave here saying, this isn't for me. You know how oftentimes you get off the hook and you'll come and it'll be like, oh man, it's really good stuff for your spouse or for your kids or for a friend or you can't wait to get the tape to mail them out. You know how it is? Can't wait till they get this in their hands. Huh? They need to hear it. Well, the good news is that none of you can leave today and say, this one's for somebody else. This one's for you. This one's for me. You can't leave here without it applying to you. Because you must submit to every authority. Why? Because there is no authority, according to the Bible, that has been established that isn't established by God. So whatever we mean by authority, it means that God's the one who established it. Now let's just go through some authorities. Give me some authorities. Police. Oh, real cute, Mort. Saddam Hussein. Yeah, you know what? And he is an authority. Now, is the authority that we just blindly submit to? Or does authority that has to meet the challenge of Scripture? It has to meet the challenge of Scripture. Always. That's the way any authority is to be looked at. So if you look at a policeman, for example, and he is a governing authority, and we must submit in the areas where he is not asking us to compromise a known standard of the will of God, because the will of God is that you submit to a police officer. If he's abusive, if he's on the take, if he's doing something, if he wants a bribe to let, to let you go, hey, you say, give me the ticket because I did what was wrong. I'm not going to give you 20 bucks to let me go. That's wrong. See, that's where it comes to practice. So a police officer meets that test. How about parental authority? Parental authority. So if there is such a thing as parental authority, it's established by God. So as we go down through this, we have two choices. What are the choices when you're confronted with authority? What's your choice? Submit or rebel. That's the only choices that you have. You can't say, I'm neutral on this one. Right? So if you're confronted with authority, whether it, it, it may be a boss at work, and they say, do this, you have a choice at that particular moment either to do it to submit or to resist their authority and rebel. That's the only two choices that you have when you're dealing with authority. Are you going to be in submission or are you going to be in rebellion or resistance? That's the only two choices that are available to us. So as we go through this, one of the things that we need to recognize is that when you fail to recognize that the authority is established by God, you no longer reject the authority 
but you reject the one who's established that authority and you reject God himself. Because all authority emanates from God since he is the source of all authority. So if God says to parents, you are an authority and your children reject your authority, in essence they're rejecting the authority that God has given you since all authority comes from him and they're in rebellion not only to you as parents, but indirectly they begin, become rebellious toward God. It's easy to see when it's your kids, huh? How about you? When your boss tells you what to do and you say, I've got a choice of rebellion or I have a choice of submission, when you reject their authority, you're in rebellion against the will of God. Which should help you. Because if you're here to please God, then you should want to do whatever God says pleases Him. So even though your boss may get the benefit of your desire to please God, you're still pleasing God and you don't do it necessarily to please your boss. Although your boss will be pleased. So your kids may not like what you say, but if it doesn't contradict Scripture, they will want to please God in their life, so they'll do what you say, even though they may not like you sometimes, but they still want to please God, they'll do it to please God, and indirectly will please you. And that's as simple as it gets. So you got on through it, the basis of all authority, according to Scripture, is God. So let's take a look at some levels of authority that God has established. There are five levels of authority, and it's amazing to me how often we struggle with each one of these as if somehow God didn't establish these. Let's take a look at the first one. You got your Bibles with you? Turn with me for a moment to uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. In Genesis 3.16, it says, and, and talking of Adam and he's speaking to Eve, God said, and he shall rule over you. The structure that God has set up in our society, the level of authority that He has arranged in the marital relationship is very simple. God, God created man. God then created woman. The creative order is in marriage that a wife would be submissive to her husband. It's as simple as that. And that's exactly what God says. In Ephesians chapter 5, we take a look at it and it says, starting with verse 22, and it's important to understand this too because this is the creative order that God has established and it's amazing how many problems are created in our relationships because we just don't understand what God's plan was. It says, wives be subject to what? Your own husband. To your own husband. One of the reasons I believe that women have a tough time submitting to men is because we have distorted scripture to say that all women should be submissive to all men at all times. And that's not what it's saying. And so as a result, women walk away thinking, I'm not going to listen to him. I don't have to listen to him. Don't you know this is the 90s now, baby? We've come a long way. But what God is saying is, wait a minute. I never said for all women, women to be subjected to all men. What I'm saying is in the family relationship in a marriage, I've set it up so that wives will be submissive to your own husbands as to the Lord. When your husband's tough to submit to, when it's tough to fall under his authority, then you know what? Then kind of bypass him and look straight at the face of God. Because when you have a tough time submitting to your husband, remember that it's actually God to whom you submit. He's the one that set it up. And he's the one that will be responsible if it doesn't work out right. He says, Be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife 
as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. You know, it's important too to read verse 25 because it says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know what? Turn with me ahead for a second to Colossians 3.18. I want you to see something that just really stood out as I was going through and studying this because it's difficult to submit to the authority of another person who isn't nice. You know what I mean? It's just hard. They're not being nice. I don't think I'm going to do this. And if you've been that way, if you've seen that on jobs and if you've seen that in your family, if you've, you know, your kids probably think the same way about us, it's like, you know, it's really hard. You're not being real nice. If you were nice, it would be a lot easier to listen to you. But there is, there, there is something amazing here because it's, the same thing happens in Colossians 3. And it says in verse 18, Wives, be subject to your husbands. Again, to your own husbands. As is fitting in the Lord. It's pleasing to God that you do it. Women, you want to please God in your marriage? Then submit to the authority of your husband. God's established it that way. But it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. It's amazing in each case where God says that women, wives, I want you to be subject to your husband because that's the creative order of the family. But I also want men to understand that this isn't some tyranny, that you're not to become a tyrant, that you're not to become a dictator, but that you're to love your wife with sensitivity and not be embittered against her. And as you love your wife, it's going to be a lot easier for her to submit to your authority than it is if you think you're going to just demand your rights and jam it down her throat. It ain't going to happen. You've got to show that you love her, that you're dedicated to her, you're committed to her. And I'll guarantee you when she sees that, it's going to be real easy to fall underneath the authority that God's given you. And so as we look at this, we, we find out that um, you know, God wants women, wives particularly, to submit to the authority of the husband because that's the creative order that God has established. But men, love your wives in the process. The second level of authority has to do with, with, um, with parents. And it's interesting, too, in the case of, of a husband and a wife, that the word for submission has to do with obedience, and it's a military term, and it means to arrange underneath. It's kind of like, if you want to look at it this way, your husband is an umbrella, an umbrella, so to speak. And what God is saying is, ladies, listen, here's the creative order. I, I made your husband, I established him as authority in your house. And so there's an umbrella now in your family, over your home. And your husband is that umbrella. And it's interesting, too, that it says that, you know, and love, the kind of love that pleases God is the kind of love that shelters or protects as if it takes them under our wings. So our wives and our children should, be, should feel the most safe, safest place in the world for our kids and our wives should be in, the, in, in our presence. They should feel comfort and safety because that umbrella should protect them from all of the outside forces that are trying to destroy them. And so what God's saying is, listen, man, here's the way this works. You're an umbrella to your wife. You're a covering to your wife and to your kids. Now, ladies, understand that you are to stay underneath that umbrella. And once you start to violate this structure and you go outside of that umbrella and you resist his authority and you rebel against this authority, then you're out there on your own against the elements. And we all know that many of you couldn't stand up in a windstorm and the rain with the hair and all the makeup and all that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? So you're not going to look too hot if you go out there in the elements. So you might want to just stay underneath. It took a long time to put it all together. Keep it together. So, hey, whatever works. You leave here and that's what, I mean, hey, well, I don't want to go outside and rain. I don't mess up my hair. And my, yeah. So, I don't know, whatever. But stay underneath the umbrella. And that's what the term is. It's a military term that means to arrange underneath. 
So remember that. Now, as far as the second level of authority, it has to do with the family. It has to do with the family. Turn with me for a second to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy 3. I just wonder as you're turning how many problems are happening in your marriage because of your resistance, wives, to the authority of your husband. Who does he think he is telling me what to do? Well, the way I read it is, he's the head of the household. And he does have that privilege, that responsibility, but also that duty before God to be in control of what's going on in your home. You may not like it, but see, the way I look at it is, you know, sometimes Linda doesn't like it, my kids don't like it, but I got, I got a bigger problem than Linda and my kids, and that is I'm accountable before God. And as tough as they can make it sometimes, if I start to go in a direction that's not real pleasing to them, I still got to keep focused on the fact that I'm here to please God. And as much as I want to please them, my, my life does not revolve around pleasing my wife and the kids if it's at the expense of pleasing God. I got to do what's right. 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says um, in verse 4, it says he must be, speaking of a, a leader of the church, speaking of one who is uh, to be a bishop or an elder, he says he must be one who manages his own household. And he manages it well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. That a godly man is one who has to have control over his house doing whatever he can do. Now, obviously, there are times where your children are going to do what they want to do because they've got a nature, a sin nature, that's in rebellion against God too. And sometimes they're going to do what they want to do and they're going to please themselves. But we've got to do all we can as leaders of our homes to be pleasing before God, to continue to do that which pleases God, to control our children in a way that pleases God. We've got to do that. But it also has to do, if you turn to Proverbs chapter 1 for a second, um, has to do with what's called parallel authority. And you know what? Let me just show you how messed up things can get. In Proverbs chapter 1, as it refers to par parallel authority, um, Solomon, as he writes instruction in verse 8, he says this. He says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. Okay, I want you to notice something. Do you see this? Don't forsake your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. It's a Hebrew parallelism which says, you know what? Your father and your mother have equal authority over you as a child. So when you get, down to, when you get right down to it, how many of you have problems in your home? Because number one, ladies, you haven't recognized that your husband is the head of the household according to Scripture. And not only that, it manifests itself in very strange ways. And one of the ways that it manifests itself is in how you deal with your children and their discipline. If you don't recognize the authority of your husband, ladies, then you end up having a division in the family where dad says one thing, don't worry what he said, mom says something else. And the problem with that is God saying, wait a minute, there's a creative order here, folks. And the creative order is a God created man to be head of the household. Women, you're to be submissive to your husbands. And children are to be submissive to both mother and father. They can't play the wedge game. You've had that played in your house, I'm sure, on many occasions. The old wedge game. Well, mom said this, dad, if it's okay with you. Yeah, right. You know, and it just takes two seconds to check out the facts with mom, you know what I mean? 
Hey, babe, did uh, you say this if I said that? No one's asked me anything. Oh, good line, big guy. Come here, buddy. <laughs> now, I thought you said that your mom said this if I said that. Well, no, well, you know, I thought that maybe she would. If you said it first, then I knew I could work the old reverse angle here. And so what God's saying is that as parents, and He has established this, guess what? Your children are be in submission to both of you. Now, ladies, this is the way this works. If dad says this is the way it's going to be, and after you discussed it and you had some conversation about it, and you may still not like it, but if he calls the last shot, then guess what? Then you're to be just as submissive as the child in this particular case. That's the way it's supposed to work out. And if it's not, all hell's going to break loose in your family. I'll guarantee you right now. Your relationship in a, as a marital couple is going to be a disaster and your children are going to be out of control. Why? Because they recognize there is no such thing as authority. My folks can't even get it right. I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it. God says, no, you can't. You know what it says in, in Luke 2.51? That Jesus continued in subjection to His parents. One of the most incredible things to think of is that our Lord Jesus Christ, whose will always was to do that which was pleasing to God, continued in subjection to his own earthly parents. And that pleased God. What a tremendous example for us if you get right down to it. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for what? This is right. You know, did you ever wrestle with your kids and say, did you hear what I just said? I mean, that one may go down on my tombstone. I'm, I'm wrestling with what epitaph I'm going to go for. But, that, you know, it changes with seasons in your life. But that, that one would be pretty current, I think. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, I heard you. Well, how can I tell you heard me? What do you mean? I thought I asked you to take the trash cans down to the street. Yeah, I heard you. Now, the way I look at it is, there ain't no stinking trash cans down at the street. They sure look like they're still leaning up against the side of the house. Now, if you heard me, did I say it in a language that you did not understand? Well, no, I heard you. I was going to do it. Oh, okay, I see. I left out that one little thing. Okay, let me try it again. Would you take the trash cans down to the street now? <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. Yes, it is. That's exactly what I meant. Now, let me ask you this. Why should your kids obey you? Because, uh, um, why should your kids obey you? Give me a good reason. Because I know you'll deduct it from their allowance. <laughs> oh, you won't buy them the Nintendo game. Why should they obey you? Because it's right. Because it's right. Obey your parents and the Lord. Why? It is right. That's easy to understand. Wives, why should you submit to your husbands? Because it's right. Not because he's a genius. Not because he'll always make the right decisions. In fact, he doesn't even know how to make a decision anymore because most of you don't submit to him anyway and he's not very good at being leader yet. <laughs> Let him lead. You may not like where it goes the first few times, but you know what happened? He messes it up a few times. Instead of just being a tyrant and ramrodding his way, He'll start coming to you and going, what do you think? But always do it, and he won't do it in front of the kids because you want to keep this creative order thing going, right? So I'll do it behind. Like, well, what do you think? Well, I think we should do this. Okay. 
Well, that's all right. As long as you just let him make the final decision. And you know what? And if he loves you, and if he respects you, and if he listens to you, then if nothing else, if the wrong decision's made, it'll be because both of you are in agreement that that's the way it should have been. And it's a lot easier to live with one another when you know you went down the road together. Why should your kids obey you? Because it's right. Why should you obey wives, your husbands? Because it's right. Why should we obey God? Because it's right. Not because of the consequences, not because of the benefits, but because it's right. There's a time to fight. There's a time to resist. And when it's time, you do it with all your heart. But when it's not, then you be submissive because submission to authority still pleases God. We'll pick it up next week. Let's pray. Our Father, we just give you thanks and we just give you praise for who you are. You are in authority. You are in control. You are in charge. You are, in a, from a poor analogy, you are the boss. And all authority that you've established, you've established it. All authority that others have, they have only because you've placed them in that position. So our resistance or submission is a matter of pleasing you. If we resist, we resist you, and you say that we'll pay the price. There are consequences to rebellion. Can't help but think of when you were dealing with King Saul, and you said obedience is far greater than sacrifice. And rebellion or resistance is as the sin of divination. What a powerful picture of what rebellion is in your sight. According to your word, those who practiced divination were worthy of the death penalty. And I can't help but think that those of us who continue a life of resistance to authority and rebellion are going to die early. We can't survive in resistance. We can't survive as rebels. You tell us that submission to authority pleases you. And Father, I just pray for the wives that are here that are having difficult times because of maybe the poor leadership of their husband. Maybe they don't like what he says or what he does or the way he conducts himself. But yet you tell us that um, wives can win their husbands over with a quiet spirit as their husbands observe their chaste, pure, and respectful behavior. That they can be one without a word, without nagging, without hanging letters and notes on TVs, refrigerators, or whatever that they could be won over by the behavior of their wives. I just pray that the ladies that are here will see that. And also as parents, that we can understand that you've put us in a position of being mutually responsible for our children. That our spouse always comes before our children and that we should always be in agreement of the discipline, of the direction, of the guidance that we give our kids. God, help us to see it. And as we begin to apply these principles, May we look forward to the blessings that come as a result. And sometimes they'll be so subtle because our focus is on just pleasing you. We're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. And we just thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.